the stops and starts in the interview process. Like you submit your resume, you wait a week. You talk to an HR person, you wait a week. Like what if you could streamline all of that using data and modern tools and you could submit your application, the data would figure out who the right person is. And then you as a hiring manager, if you are pretty sure that this candidate is gonna fit the bill, you would talk to them immediately. Welcome back to Cloud Talk, folks. My name is Jeff Diverter, and I'm the Chief Technology Evangelist for us here at Rackspace Technology. Now, if you've been a subscriber to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that you've only been getting audio from our live streams that have been happening every Tuesday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. And thanks for listening to those. But now, starting today, we're bringing back original content only for this podcast stream. So, Well done, you, for keeping up your subscriptions for a while. And I'm kicking it off with a great interview with a now good friend, Mark Aretta. He's also a customer here at Rackspace and works for a company called JobTarget. You're going to hear all about their cloud transformation that's been going on, well, for quite a while. Now, as always, stick around until the end. I've got some other information for you. I'm going to save till then, as well as, well, share some information about some of the episodes that we've all already got recorded and will be coming out in the coming weeks. All right, let's hear from Mark, where we pick up in our conversation where we're talking about when we met up out at AWS reInvent this past November. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking the sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Diverter. Yes, it's it's always uh, it's always tough when when you go out there. It's crazy just being around all these kind of like minded people. Like, there's a lot of technologists in the world, but you know, in the world that we sit in, like, I interact with business people probably more than I interact with tech people. And there, it's very cool because you get a lot of very techy business people. So you have just the, the most interesting conversations with all of them. Um, I know you, you can't you can't turn around without, you know, it's your people, you know, folks who are either dealing with the same problems you are or have already done it. And you yeah. can ask them or you can be an expert to people. Yeah. Who have it. And sometimes it's just almost like a, a venting session with someone who can understand the problems. And then they'll just ask the most basic question. And then from that basic question, you yeah. just have this epiphany. Like, oh, wait, that's a different way of thinking about this problem. I now have 30 different new branches that I need to go explore, which is part of the fun. Well, and isn't that something that's really cool about what technology affords today? Because you go back to the beginning of both of our careers where there weren't a whole lot of of options. In fact, I snooped a little on LinkedIn. Your first job and you listed here is, hang on, I'm going to look at it and say it directly and say it correctly, is you managed a system using DOS-based Lotus yeah. Symphony. That is a phrase I haven't heard uttered in yeah, decades. Yeah, so so the first job when I uh, well, I was actually still in college at the time was for a small biomedical tech, uh, repair company, and all of the system was based in in Lotus Symphony. So there was a lot of like macros, and it's almost like assembler where you just like go to this cell and do this, and go to this cell and do this, and these spreadsheets were massive and giant database air quotes on the database because it's not really a database yeah. but i mean some people say excel is the biggest database in the world so it was a lot like that it is 
It's the biggest database in the world. It is the biggest, most used BI platform yeah. in the world. It's got all of it. And now they put chat GPT into it. I mean, it'll, it's never I going I mean, anywhere. they just managed to keep patching it. It's like what the, you know, the, the military does to all their equipment, right? Like, how are they still running these 50-year-old airplanes? It's because it looks the same, but under the hood, it's radically different, but it still ultimately serves the same purpose. It is. But, you know, I brought up the whole DOS thing just because we're around out when we're out in Vegas for AWS reInvent. You know, you're around the people who have done it. And you made the point, of course, that, you know, somebody makes it even a small what might even feel to them like a flippant statement. And all of a sudden you can reconsider things. And we think about that in a cloud first world where there are literally hundreds, in some cases, thousands of services that are available to you. I mean, there are there there are a hundred different ways to attack. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that that's definitely like one of, one of the reasons that, that uh, our careers or uh, we interacted with each other was because when we first jumped into AWS, we thought we knew what we were doing. We had a very myopic view. It looked a lot like our on-premise world, and then it took the enlightening that the the rockers helped brought, bring to us and the AWS reps, and then we rethought everything, did it again, right the second time. Unfortunately, it's always better if you did it right the first time, but we weren't that lucky. Um, well, hey, if you got it too, you're ahead yeah. of most. Uh, and you know that is the way most folks looked at cloud, especially in those super early days when it was really just AWS. Rackspace had had its public cloud. In fact, it's really funny to think we we're looking back at me and some of the other folks. Um, uh, we're looking back at some of the content we had created back in the 2010s, 2013s, and uh, I mean, literally at that point. It's Rackspace in AWS. Wow. I can't. I can't even imagine what that's like. And it, 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 it would almost be like looking at the time capsule for for the Alta Visa search engines whenever those things come up. hundred like, percent. Yeah. Right, and, and and so you know, literally, there's no Azure. Yeah. There's no Google Cloud. Imagine a world where that doesn't yeah. exist. Um, and even when you think about now, some of the transformation that's occurred, even in the past six or even twelve or eighteen months. It's it's pretty incredible. But back at that point, when when you look at the options that were there, people treated the cloud, and we ex- you kind of expect them to, but we treated the cloud as another data center. You know, it was that move was viewed. I still use this line. I'm not going to lie. It was viewed as that. You know that every three years, let's update Windows. Every three years, we're going to Dell or HP to buy some more hardware. And then we'll sweat that stuff out as long as humanly possible. And you go through that waterfall event, and then everybody gets back to business. Yeah. You know, Mark, there's no – well, getting back to business is the business of infrastructure and how it transforms an organization. Like you're over yeah. a job target. Um, you know, what has all of this transformation done to your business? Yeah, time? I mean, it's done so much for us. So like you were describing, the, the original thought when we were just moving to the cloud was as simple as trying to pick up individual services and replicate them in some other kind of um, disaster recovery kind of mode. And maybe it would just be our new data center. And maybe that was going to save us money. Um, but what we learned through the building that's been happening was that um, we really need to rethink the entire approach and, and rethink how the business flows, rethink how we're processing data. I mean, we're the hardest switch we had to make internally was stop thinking about everything in hourly and nightly jobs and start thinking about things in real time and as small as an, an atomic motion as you can, because the data can flow like that and we can just punt it anywhere and process it in real time and get real time data and drive everything. Yeah, as, as technologists, you remember back because our careers go back as uh, kind of equally as far. We we won't be transparent about how far. <laughs> I mean, you talk about that, like those, that that dates us pretty well. Okay, okay back to the beginning, uh, all the way to the beginning. Uh, what was your first computer? Model? Commodore sixty four. 
Commodore 64, sweet. My dad was a lifer with IBM, which is, of course, why DOS and Lotus Symphony rings a bell. But um, but they had this employee purchase program that you could get some of those first 8088 machines oh, coming off yeah. of, 8086 machines really coming yeah. off the lines. Pretty incredible. Yeah. But, um, but, it, but, you know, back at that point, even in those days, you know, you kind of think you're looking at the green screens or, or what became an RGB monitor and we would dream a little, I mean, look at your careers, you even advanced through things and, and you became leader of, of different IT departments and, and strategy in that regard. And you would think, boy, imagine if we had access to that data in real time. Imagine if we knew what was happening at the point of sale. Imagine if we knew what was what was what was going out across the radio. Yeah. You would spend some time at our heart, yeah. iHeart Media. So we'll, we'll draw that in. But now we live in a world where all of that is true. And so if that's true, what can you yeah. do? When did you when did that light bulb really go off for you of wow, all that stuff we envisioned it's possible. Yeah, I mean, for me, it really started at iHeart, like you were saying. So um, what I was tasked with doing there, um, or one of the jobs that, that I had at the end, was what they call their quick wins team, which is effectively an internal innovation team at an enterprise, which is always fun, right? Like you get the backing of the corporate yeah. uh, the dollars, but, but you get to build really cool new stuff and bleeding edge technology. And you get to break all the rules. And the world doesn't end fails, you know, okay, I'm doing that when exactly. you do and, and that was always the premise. And what I told them, there's like, we're going to fail fast. 10 out, nine out of 10 times, maybe 99 out of, out of 100 times. But that one time it works, it's always going to be, um, it's going to be borderline game changing. Um, and, and for us, it was one of the apps that we built there was about taking the data that was coming um, from the, the people who were landing at our events, and then using that to build better experiential marketing. Um, so you go to the festival and you're walking by a activation booth and an app will pop up and say, hey, you know, you're near, you're close to the L'Oreal thing and why don't you get a, a makeover? And then we take that and translate it into the data. And then from the data, you can give it to the advertiser, which we could never do before. Like it was always just numbers and statistics before. And now it became real time and, and where, where, we, where we thought people were gonna be. And that was just so much fun to, to have those conversations with advertisers and and for their light bulbs to go off too because then it became a oh so you mean we're not going to make a bet before and look at it afterwards like we're going to be able to get all this stuff in real time we're going to be able to make adjustments um if we're sampling food and the food is and like because it was like taco bell was one of them and you would sample the latest burrito and if everyone hated the latest burrito we could stop making that burrito pick a different burrito and start pivoting on the fly and um those are just really really cool things this episode of Cloud Talk is sponsored by Cisco App Dynamics. Technical environments are getting more complex, and Cisco App Dynamics is helping to cut through the noise. Their full stack observability solutions help make every tech decision a business decision and keep everyone all on the same page. App Dynamics software enables deeper understanding of both user and application behavior so that your teams can see share and take action all in real time. Just go to appdynamics.com to learn more, schedule a live demo, or even start a 15-day free trial to see the difference for yourself that Cisco App Dynamics can make in your mission-critical applications. All right, with that, let's get back to the program. Yeah, to be able to make those kind of real-time decisions, even even from a supply chain perspective, especially now in a supply chain 
Zajay and World, when you think about, you know, you, you bring up Taco Bell and food and, you know, what's selling, what's not selling. A lot of that stuff shows up pre-made and, yeah. and you know, the process for that is it's time yeah. consuming and and requires tons of resources. But so you, you take this, you're at iHeartMedia. So this is a, a non-inconsequential size of an organization, pretty big size organization. I've had lots of friends who've worked there over the years. And, um, and you, you, you jumped down to a startup at that point. What was it? You know, everybody gets the startup itch. What pulled yeah, you yeah, in, For, in for, for me in this one was was exactly the itch. So I'd been at iHeart about a decade. And, you know, at, at that point you think, you know, do I want to be a lifer or do I want to roll the dice a little bit and, and chase, chase my dreams? And um, I'm a very goal-oriented person and I couldn't help myself but roll the dice. Got to gamble a little bit. Um, so, uh, a startup reached out and said, Hey, we are, um, we're doing some really cool stuff. We have 6 million active users. We're, we're trying to do base uh, more or less what we're, I was talking about, about the experiential marketing, which was taking samples and then using data to distribute the samples for CPG companies at a company called pinch me, um, that was on the verge of going public. Um, so got to use a lot of the cool real time pieces, you know, a, you know, big ish data, 6 million active users is trivial to some companies, but it, it's a lot to others. Um, but just thinking yeah. about how to make all of that work and then on the verge of an IPO and all that cool stuff. Like how, how could you say no? Okay. Yeah. So you jump in, what was your, what was your, your, your mission there? Yeah. What was your, I don't want to say your title, but what were yeah. you there So to do? when, when I joined, um, goal number one was, was to get us through the IPO process, which is involves like trying to put controls in place and trying to make sure that all of our data is there. Um, but we had to do that while continuing to grow, you know, a startup at the end of the day, it is a startup and we have growth targets and you have to hit the growth targets before, you know, you run out of money. So try, trying trying yeah. to balance that while launching new products was what um, what we were trying to do. And we launched a couple new products, um, both of them data-driven, um, the, the bigger one being a, a, a surveying product. So, yeah, I don't know if you've ever tried to do this, but, you know, if you go online, they'll be like, uh, you can have a $5 gift card if you complete this survey and you just talk about your opinion about stuff. And, you know, some people have some right. free time who you know, can just sit on their phone and answer questions. So we thought, you know, why don't we monetize this population? Because they're generally the population who are also getting free samples because you clearly have time if you're doing this. Um, Exactly. And then share share the reward with them. Like let them have some money. Let them have more free samples. Let let them get a benefit from doing all of that. And it became a win win for us. Um, so even more data, even more profile building, um, even more sending it out. Uh, all all again in real time because you know if you if you give a person a survey or a sample that doesn't matter to them, they're not going to be able to give you back the information you need. Like you have to be very very good at, at rebuilding all the profiles and getting it targeted. You know, you keep using the word, and we've said it several times on the show here, um, data. And, and data is one of those, you know, if I go back to when I started here at Rackspace, it was 2008. And, and uh, I was here to help launch uh, the, 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 what we call dedicated SharePoint or single tenant SharePoint farms for enterprises. And, um, and so I would end up on, on a lot of you know, sales calls, helping to pitch the thing, helping to reference what it is, because the sales folks didn't know what SharePoint was. They could talk about servers, but they yeah. couldn't talk about the app. And so I would go into a lot of these calls. And, uh, and then even as I was a supporter of other endeavors, every customer that was coming in was super excited about their application. They're super excited about what was happening there. And then there was this thing that they had to buy servers for that no one was excited about. And that was the database because the database was the necessary evil because it was that thing that was the central touch point so that all these distributed servers could all remain state and, and they'd age of history and you know, all the reasons you want a database. 
But then I don't know what year it, it happened. Maybe it was 15, 2015, 16, 17. But at some point there was a flip and people realized, you know what? That data in that database is more important than the application yep. we had. Not just to keep the application running, but the actual data that's in there is golden. And so you hear a lot of phrases about things like, you know, at first I would hear data is the new oil. And that sort of bugged me because then we we're only looking at it through the lens of the only thing it could be is, a, is an economic yeah. outcome. And one of the things that I get excited about this industry that we're in is everything that we do helps these companies be better in the world. And in some cases, those companies are, you know, nonprofits doing some really neat stuff for the world. <clears throat> But when we think about, about data, my favorite phrase for data these days is data is the soil that our businesses grow out of. And um, I'm, a, I'm a wannabe gardener uh, slash farmer. Uh, I dabble in it. I'm more like to play in the dirt. I'm a, I'm a five-year-old, you know, 50-something-year-old who just Not likes to play time. in the dirt. But anything can come up out of that yeah. dirt. And it just takes the right combinations of raw materials. Think about, you know, the fertilizers and such, and then the right seeds. What are you going to plant in there? But let's, so let's, let's jump forward then a bit as you, you come into to job target. I mean, what is the, let's, before we unpack what's happened to the job industry, what is the mission of job? The, target? the mission of job target is to help employers find the talent that they need and for the, the talent to find a job that is fulfilling and will make them happy. Um, Efficiently and at scale. It's a great mission. Yeah. So sufficiently and at scale. Global organization, US uh, we based. We are primarily what's, what's US based, although we do have some some global customers. Um, so we do support them. Um, but but most of our, our candidates and our and our employees are in the US. And at Rackspace, we here in the Thought Leadership Program at Solve, we every quarter go out and and survey over uh, 1,400 different IT decision makers in 10 different countries. And we ask them, usually it's, it, there's a subject, you know, is it cybersecurity? Is it data? Is it cloud transformation? Whatever that we're doing that quarter. And, but we ask a common question, what keep, effectively, what keeps you up at night? Top of that list. Well, cybersecurity has really made its way uh, up in there, but it's finding the right, finding and retaining the right people is the biggest problem in every industry on every continent. And, and you know, when you, when you think about that statement, it tends to be a very protective statement. Um, it, it's a protective statement because mm. once you find someone great, you don't want to let them go. But, you know, what, what if, you know, you could just easily find the right person. And what if when you're a, an employee, you realize that, you know, I've been at this company a while, I've hit a plateau, I've gotten all these new great skills, and I really want to be able to use these skills in a new, in a new and different way. But the person is terrified to leave because they don't know what the job search is like. Like It doesn't have to be that hard for right. either party. Like it, it should be a celebration for the employee to say, listen, you know, I as a manager, I got you to where you're ready to take the next step. And I would love for it to be with us. But sometimes, you know, things aren't in, in alignment. Exactly. So why can't it yeah. be easy for them to find the right job for themselves? And then if it was just as easy for the employers to find the right candidate, we wouldn't have all of this friction. And I do think overall, that's just going to be better for the economy, that people aren't going to be stuck in, in the dead end job, right? Like how many times have you heard, I wish I left the job a year ago. It's been the best thing for me. Like almost yeah. everyone has that story. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's a waste and it just bums me out. So killer mission. Again, one of the reasons why I love this industry is I get to learn about all these different companies who are doing amazing things. And, and I used to say, you know, in some cases, technology gets to play a part. Now I say, you know, they always tell you, never say always <laughs> and never. 
Now I say yes. always technology is a part of the solution, always part of the solution. So you joined uh, about in 2019. Yeah, I joined. Yeah. And then, yeah. Just, just before COVID, when I thought I knew and understood everything, and then um, that turned yeah. the world upside down um, in, in a very macro way. And then coming out of COVID, you had a bunch of unexpected outcomes, the, the, the greatest of which um, the media termed the great resignation, which um, gave a lot yeah. of people an opportunity to look around. Yeah, if you're in the, if you're, you're in the job business, that's a it's a great time. But let's paint the picture of what you were you were walking into. So in 2019, it was business as usual, I would assume, of how employers find employees and how employees find a new a new employer, and probably was built on a lot of the same infrastructure that originally built the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah more or less. I mean, we, and, and even more so, we were primarily a recruitment advertising company. So we were more more than anything a services a service organization. So if they wanted to advertise their job on Indeed and LinkedIn and ZipRecruiter, they would come to us or their applicant tracking system would. And then we would just disseminate it for them because otherwise they would literally have to cut and paste in, into job description. And, that, and that's just wow. you know silliness. So, um, But since then, we've, we've evolved tremendously. And when we're now a platform, we're offering more, more than just the recruitment advertising services. We have a programmatic platform um, because... If you're you know, a recruiter in a mid-sized company, you may have to hire for a salesperson and a developer and you know, uh, an office manager and a SDR. And those all really should have different kinds of hiring and advertising strategies. And you know, Sally, Sally Sue in HR probably doesn't have time to do that. So why not, why not take advantage of all the data and, and information out there? And then um, now with the shift that's happened, uh, unfortunately, recently with the recession and the layoffs, we went from what was very much a candidate-centric market where there were um, not enough candidates and way too many jobs to a little bit more balance. Um, hopefully, the, we don't keep pushing farther into the recession. But as more yeah. job seekers come, then it becomes less about finding candidates because there's no candidates to be found in a quality-based metric. And how can you use you know, tooling and, and search and AI and discovery to get the right kind of candidates? Um, yeah. And that's just on the, the actual like infrastructure and pipes side. Like to me, the coolest things that are that are sitting in front of us are changing how people really engage. Like going and sending your resume, a resume that existed before the internet. Your CV was a thing that they did. You know, I, I won't say in the wild west, but you know, you you went and slapped your your paper resume down at, at the receptionist, and you kind of hoped someone would call you. And we really tried to replicate yeah. that in, in uh, online, which was the mistake that most cloud uh, company or pe companies trying to make their digital transformation made. You shouldn't just replicate the process in there. We should think about new ways to innovate and make it more dynamic, like job fairs, um, messaging, how people communicate over email and all of the stops and starts in the interview process. Like you submit your resume, you wait a week, you talk to a, a, a an HR person, you wait a week. Like what if you could streamline all of that using data and modern tools yeah. and you could submit your application, the data would figure out who the right person is. And then you as a hiring manager, if you were pretty sure that this candidate is going to fit the bill, you would talk to them immediately. Like if, if you said, Hey, Mark, I have a buddy perfect for you. Can you talk to him today? I would say, yes, absolutely. I want to talk to them today. And they might even get a job that day because they come from a trusted source. I, I don't have to vet a lot of the background. I can I can understand what's happening. Like, Why can't we move that fast where we validate the data somehow? Again, some of this is like pipe yeah. dreams, but and then communicate in a more modern way that doesn't require you to put on a suit and tie and walk into an, I, I don't know if people still do that, but walk into an office, you know, sit in the reception and 
all, all of those time consuming parts, like we can streamline all of that with modern technologies. And I think that's like a really cool thing that we're embarking well, on. Well, you said so much good stuff in there, but the one I want to pull out is, is to make sure that companies are, as they think about their digital transformation or how they're going to utilize the latest in technology is to, is to not just replicate business as usual. In fact, that's a pretty good recipe to fail. Um, yeah. and not get the value that everybody's hyping about. It's what we're, we're hyping up about. And, and really to think about what could be done, what should be done, and what would we need to do to change as an organization? And then how do we marry the technology up to that? And uh, in that first part of that, how do you change as an organization in all digital transformation? And I've been party to hundreds or even thousands of companies who have gone through this. And bar none, the hardest part is never the technology. The hardest part is always the, the people change. You know, you, you lose that phrase, well, this is the way we've always done it. Um, which, which yeah. you know, I had a friend of mine, Shane Young, work with us for a while here at Rackspace. And if you wanted to make Shane curse, that was the only thing you needed to say. Uh, but Shane, that's the way we've always done it. He would throw something at rightly. He would throw something at yeah. you. Um, and uh, uh, because you really need to rethink things. In fact, you know, I was telling you this story before we started, and I'll, I'll tell part of it again. But when early part of my career. I was working in the in very early versions of Microsoft uh, SharePoint, and I was working for a large financial services firm in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, and and as as the SharePoint guy, and there was some tasks capability in there that you could build some rudimentary workflows out of. I would get invited by these VPs into their their department meetings to say, "Hey, we got this process. We know it's super well. I mean, we got it locked down. We've been doing it for decades, uh, but we want you to automate it so we can see a dashboard. We want to see a dashboard." And I say, "Awesome! Yeah. I'd love to be a part." of that process. And they would say, I don't think your SharePoint can do this. I don't think your tools can do this. And, uh, and, uh, and I'd say, cool, get everybody in the room who knows the process, but make sure there's a big whiteboard. And I'd ask the person in the room who's, who apparently knew the most about it. I'd say, now draw the process out. Every department, every person who's got to make a decision. And they'd spend 10 or 15 minutes getting it all up there and sometimes use colors. And then uh, and then hands would, would start to get raised and you'd see heads shaking and, and conversations would start. And all of a sudden, the, the room erupts because it's not the way it's been done because you know they forgot that Betty doesn't work in that department anymore and they decided to change it or they realized... Betty left and nobody fixed it and there's a log jam of work. But ultimately, 10 or 15 minutes into this, the VP would head in hand would look at me and say, I'm sorry, I thought we knew what we were doing. And I'd say, no problem. Every organization is like this. So here's what I want you to do. First of all, understand how it's done today. Second of all, if there were no constraints, how should it be done? And then from there, we can talk about automation. From there, we can talk about process. And so I think that that this that those very early inklings of transformation and those early versions of SharePoint shed light onto the fact that it's the people problem that's the hard, not a problem, opportunity. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and But it really is opportunity. Think about RPA and what that's doing to help help people who are doing you know swivel chair work to now being well effectively WYSIWYG programmers. It's pretty pretty amazing stuff. But so Mark, you you came in. And inherited a certain level of, of technology, a certain level of transformation. And before we talk about the technology in that, let's talk the people side a little bit. Um, you know, what was your first of all? What was your first mandate when you came over to Job Target? 
So when I joined, we were actually in an integration build with what what is now one of our biggest partners in in ADP. Um, so one of job you know when we're when you're a services based organization, that the, the integration partners are our most important cherished resource because the reason people are going to use us is because we're integrated with ADP and we're integrated with Indeed and we're integrated with Zip and we can make these connection points easier. It's one of the value props that we have. Um, so we had to, to navigate that. And one of the things I learned as we were building that was that we had the job target way of doing things. And then there's the ADP way of doing things. And then there's the, you know, the publisher side of doing things that we have to try to make all the data talk and, and communicate with each other in a best effort seamless fashion, um, much like the SharePoint pieces, right? Like ADP can call a job this, you know, by this and the job target says, well, the job also has these additional fields. And then the publisher's like, well, by the way, by the way, guys, we actually need to add these two things three. So we all call it the same thing, but as it moves, the data, the data has to change and, and the conversion has to change. And, um, our systems were very rigid, um, on, on premise still. So if you think about on premise design, you know, we, we, we designed software back then to support the hardware instead of what Isn't we do today. So we don't, we don't, no one wants to buy another server. So, you got what um, you got, figure it out. Exactly. Like, so monolith code base, monolith databases, hourly jobs that are moving it from point A to point B. So all, all of right. that weekly, stuff. if um, you're lucky releases of code, you know, very rigid process, yeah. all of that stuff. All right, one more quick break from the program. Now, if you've been keeping up with the news this year, you've probably heard that everyone is buzzing about AI. Well, guess what? You can achieve AI success through our transformative process of ideate, innovate, and industrialize. Get ready to revolutionize your business with FAIR, the foundry for AI by Rackspace. At FAIR, we're on a mission to accelerate the secure, responsible, and sustainable adoption of generative AI solutions across all industries. In just three weeks, our ID8 workshop will empower you to harness the raw power of generative AI. Imagine skyrocketing productivity, driving efficiency, and reimagining business models. This is your chance to take the first step in exploring the untapped potential of generative AI for your organization. In these sessions, our team of experts will meticulously evaluate the intended and unintended consequences of integrating generative AI into your operations. We'll ensure that your data quality and integrity are top-notch, and we'll guide you in embedding your company values, fairness, and ethics into your generative AI governance and operations. Through a series of short sprints, we'll identify the most relevant and impactful generative AI solutions tailored specifically for your business. By the end of the sessions, you'll have a crystal clear understanding of how generative AI can revolutionize your organization and how your business goals can be supercharged by AI. So what are you waiting for? Visit us at fair.rackspace.com to learn more and secure your spot in our generative AI ideation workshop. FAIR, driving innovation, excellence, and unparalleled success in the thrilling world of generative AI.
Yeah, I- I- exactly. So then um, once we got through the build, my, my next task was then to do to embark on the cloud transformation. Um, again, be- being hosted on prem, um, our CEO had heard, you know, there's cloud, there's all these benefits to being in the cloud um, cost. cost may- maybe it's cheaper. Maybe yeah. it's not. Um, but more importantly, it's easier to do um, feature de- de- deployment. It's easier to scale as you get more customers and it's easier for us to spin things up and spin things down because JobTalk has been around since 2001 and through the transformation of the company since 2001, you know, it has done, it, it built job boards that now we don't build job boards. And, um, and it, we were a recruitment advertising company and now we're really a platform and a services organization who are trying to be recruitment consultants. So as the company evolves, it would be a lot easier if our platforms evolved with us and, you know, being hosted on-prem, it was exceedingly difficult to have the platforms. Uh, right, because that drove so many conversations that no Nobody enjoyed having because you'd have some visionaries who would say, hey, we want to change the platform. We want to move from doing, you know, A, now we're going to do B and here's the value for that. But in order to do that, well, we got to change some infrastructure on the back end. How much? All of it. And um, yes. and it's going to take a long time to do that as well. And then the questions start to come up. Well, how do we continue to make money and serve our customers and do all the transformation things on the back end? And, you know, you, you, you then end up in these um, you know, the annual budgeting cycles and maybe we can do it next year, but now go talk to Dell or HP and figure you know, out what it's going to be. Is somebody, what do we have to extend the data center light lease now as well? And that's a totally different world than now. I mean, now you can play what if and $20 later, you know, if your idea is going to work or not. Yeah. I mean, that's the coolest part about innovation in, in the cloud is that now when we have an idea, I can send one developer out and say, all right, here's, here's your playground and do, do what you want to do. And in a day or two days, like we have a proof of concept. We're like, oh, this is kind of close. What else can you do? We're like, well, we're missing some tools. You're missing some data. You're missing right. some things. And then we look, you know, across the inventory of um, developers and platforms we have and go, can we, can we fill in these holes and can we keep pushing, pushing the envelope? And yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, you go from what we, when, when I joined, a deploy every other week to now we're doing, you know, 10 to 20 deploys a day and it's like night and day. So that's a lot of transformation. So, so where are you today and what are the, the benefits of the, all the work that you've done? So, so we are still in a hybrid because when you when your company starts in 2001, there's a, a lot of things to move. Um, we have moved the most important of our, applica- our, our applications, thankfully. So um, some of the benefits are that we no longer have some of the scaling issues that, that happen. So um, if you remember, I joined through COVID, great resignation, all of that stuff. So yeah. Job Target did awesome through that time period. Um, we grew about 10x um, roughly. So boy, and we had to do that while we're trying to do the digital transformation. And I have to say like if it wasn't for our ability to move stuff up at the same time and scale up new new endpoints and, and just add, add all of that diversity i don't think we would be able to keep upright right now um even with moving some of our most significant loads to the cloud we are still having like on-premise you know kind of kind of flashing at us um but also you know the the transformation of the technical organization and the people the people no longer thinking about things in a in a very um every hourly job in very synchronous way and thinking about async jobs and events and pushing the data in very atomic fashion. Like it's just a new way of everybody considering it. And then um, at least for me as, you know, a tech guy at heart and a developer at heart, um, being able to see how the various development teams can now thrive because, you know, we created the segment and they all have their each, their, their pieces that they own and, and contracts between other teams. And they can now, as long as they're within that bubble, can do whatever they want and push it up as fast as they can and really start 
start to innovate and the team's ability is to start pushing out um, faster and faster changes sometimes surprises me um, things roll out I'm like wait how did he get to production already I don't even remember us going through um, you know, requirements yeah I love the fact that you say you've got your teams they have their uh, charters and then there's the uh, I made the word up charter and then they have the um their contracts, their their defined relationship with other teams. Yeah. And as long as they're inside of those bounds, go get it. Go get it done. Yeah, because they're they're the ones closest to the metal, right? Like, I, yeah, sure. You know, I, I have a you know 10,000 foot view and I can you know, see aggregate changes and, and big, you know, sweeping things that are happening. But there's no one better to optimize on a, you know, day by day and in the weeds basis than the coders and the product managers who are looking at their stuff every day and looking at the numbers every day and go, you know, this little thing is very inefficient and it's really, really annoying. Most importantly, it's annoying to the developer. There's nothing that drives them more crazy than support tickets coming in and they will just fix them. And like, oh, that's awesome. That's probably one of the other big, big uh, perks from this. So, Mark, you 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 started your career at Command Line DOS, uh, yeah. Lotus Symphony, uh, up through the client server environment uh, into the innovative work that you uh, innovative team that you were doing over at iHeart uh, through the IPO now over at Job Target and transforming that organization. Um, what gets you excited about the future? I mean, I, as as a, in a role like yours, you are looking um, not just at what's happening right now, but but the possibilities for the future. Just like you used to think, what if we could do this with the data? Now we're doing that with the data what gets you excited about tech in the future yeah i mean so the, i mean the, the easy easy answer is always the generative ai right like chat gpt and things are just yeah. disrupting everything uh, but then you pile that on with messaging and communications like um instead of having an hr person talk to you to schedule an interview like what if you could talk to a better than average chatbot I and mean, the chatbot technology exists today um but i think all of us agree you know you're talking to a robot it feels like you're talking to a robot it feels very unnatural and yeah. what if we could solve a lot of those problems and, and just again, streamline all the pieces and remove all of the steps that are in the hiring process. Well, there's two ways to look at that generative stuff too, right? It's how we, how we are uh, exposing that to our end customer, but also what we're doing with it internally, being able to ask questions of, let's say, our contracts with customers. Now, obviously, we wouldn't put that in the public domain, but that technology exists in the private domain and then be able to ask questions like, tell me about all customers that fill in the blank and meet these criteria. And all of a sudden you can start to get that, that data. The other cool part that's happened with ChatGPT specifically is that um, because it was such a, a media thing, um, the business people have all started playing with it and they're interacting with it and they're starting to, you know, their own lights are going off. And, you know, we, we talked about it earlier when we, when we were at reInvent, just having these cool, interesting conversations with like-minded folks um, allowed new light bulbs to go off. What's happening now with the, um, the acceptance of this technology to the, to the masses that business people are starting to come to me like, look what I did on ChatGPT. Can we productize this? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. That is awesome. And an interesting, cool way to do it. So um, hopefully I'm going to see a lot more innovation from the teams with that also. Yeah, I've never seen more interest in data than this year. And it is 100% aligned to the fact that people can spell chat GPT now. And, uh, and because they can play with it and ask questions and, and interact in a, in a personal manner, in some, case, in some cases in a professional manner, that now their light bulbs all go off. The art of the possible starts to ring true. If I can ask you know, about my favorite actor and you know, their careers and have it summarize 
summarize all sorts of information, just thinking hypothetically, yeah. um, what if I were to ask that about my business and about my customers and be able to get those insights? Because if you think you've been in, you've been, we've, we've talked about this, we've been doing this forever. And, and if you work in data, then you know people or you're, you're directing them who work in analytics and they're the folks making the reports and the reports make their way up to leaders and you take those reports to the leaders. And if you did your job well, they say, well, if that's true, then answer me this and ask another five questions. That's the yeah. good thing, but it's also the bad thing because off they go to figure that out. Yeah. But in a chat GPT world where that's been baked into, and Microsoft has done this, they baked it into their Power BI suite. They baked it into, into their analytics so that you can, if you look at sales reports for you know 2022, why were sales down in, in February? And all of a sudden you can just ask that and you get the data. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really cool to see what happens. And then um, the other part is just, I feel like what's happened with that is almost like a renaissance moment where, where business people are starting to think about things differently around the data. And then I come back and go, okay, now that's just the data. What if we think about human interaction? Um, what if we think about how people talk to each other? Like COVID changed everything around the working environment. Everyone pivoted. Like, Put, put your thinking caps back on, right? Like, don't don't be bound by by all of this stuff. Like, it's it's really cool to see everyone just reach through more potential. That's right. Well, Mark, I feel like we spent, you know, the past, you know, 35 or so minutes just getting to the beginning of the podcast where we could talk about all the things coming in the future, but we're going to have to save that for the next episode, unfortunately. Thank you so much for being a part of this today. Thank you, for, of course, for being a customer. And, um, and I'm really excited to see where you guys take your tech next. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Some really cool stuff going on over at Job Target. All right, Mark, thanks for being a part of Well Cloud Talks reintroduction as a well traditional podcast. So, folks, if uh, if you haven't already subscribed, I'd encourage you to do that. And I mentioned that we've got some new episodes coming out, and I'll tell you a little bit about them. The first is with Josh Pruitt and Travis Runty. That's right, there'll be three of us in that conversation, and we had a great conversation about what happens in working in a large tech organization and when you start low and you grow to you know vice president type levels if you are young in your career or somewhere in the middle and you want to learn a little bit some of the strategies about how to advance this is a great episode for you i've also had a conversation with the president of our public cloud business unit and unpacking his career and what he's most excited about in tech in the future so you're going to want to check that out make sure you're subscribed all right folks i'm not exactly sure what our frequency is going to be is it monthly? Is it twice a month? I'm pushing for twice a month. Uh, but let me know. Send me an email, solve at rackspace.com. It is our thought leadership program. You can check us out there. And, uh, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, my name is Jeff Diverter. I'm the chief technology evangelist here at Rackspace Technology. And I look forward, well, maybe to seeing you on a live stream in the future. <laughs>